Sandy that I did all the time, and it goes as follows. Uh, Quinn, I'm the president of Fishing Poo. That's it. Uh, <laughs> that's all I Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Uh, so we now we'll get to enjoy a cover of the beautiful theme song from Mindy Jones. Please give it up for her. Uh, I do spend a lot of time with Laura's dogs. She's an amazing dog aunt. 
Uh, so she has two dogs, Gus and uh, Dog Laura. Yeah. Yes. Right? My dog's name is Dog Laura. I think that's totally normal. <laughs> Don't need more context than that. So uh, who in the crowd has listened to uh, the podcast before? Woo! Woo! Yeah. We've got some people in there. Um, so for those of you who haven't listened to it, um, it began probably about like four months ago, maybe a little more. But I have, I've always been a Daria fan. I'm, I'm very nostalgic for the 90s. I live, I live back there, it feels. I've actually never met someone more nostalgic for the 90s. Yeah. Like you you know every reference of like every high school teen like high school drama and you have them all on DVD and <laughs> Yeah, no, my girlfriend loved that when we moved in together this weekend and I alphabetized my entire DVD collection. <laughs> um, but we started this podcast and uh, we really love doing it and our love for Daria has just grown more and more as the time goes on really. And so we're so excited to share our first live show with you. We have some very exciting guests. Yeah. It's yeah. intense. Yeah, really. It's really how exciting it is. Emotion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have the co-creator of Daria here. Yeah. Yeah. Um and uh, yeah. so we're gonna bring people out uh, for conversations throughout the episode. Um, but let's start first things first. Let's talk about malls. Age old question. Are malls still a thing, or am I just no longer in them? You know what I mean? I mean, all I really know anymore is the Grove. Right, but that's, that's not, that's like an outdoor no, thing. I'm talking about enclosed yeah. malls where people hang out in food courts. Absolutely Do not. teens still do that, or was that just in a, a thing of the times where we didn't really have anything else to do except just hang out in places. We were like, thinking whatever. about, as a guest, just bringing a teenager. A teenager. And just <laughs> asking them what you do. Because yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to answer that question. But 90s mall culture was it's very it was a very specific mall culture. I mean, I, I was thinking about stores that I used to go to all the time and spend my money in. I mean, 579. Anyone remember 579? Oh, I went straight for Suncoast. <laughs> Spencer's Gifts. Get some, oh, yeah. get some fake poop. Uh, <laughs> Walden Books, B. Dalton, Gadzooks, Sam Goody, Coconuts, well that was more of outside. I spent a lot more time at malls. <laughs> I spent so much time at malls. Every, uh, yeah, I just bought movies and CDs all the time. Yeah, 579 at the time when I was in middle school, their like cover girl was Dominique Mogiano of the Magnific Magnificent Seven, the Atlanta, uh, Atlanta Olympics gymnastics team. You can't, you're so choked up. You can't even think about it. actually makes me emotional. I was saying earlier, I was like, oh, yeah, like Dominique Mogiano, and she was like, I'm sorry, who? And I had to bring up the whole like devil went down to Georgia like performance on the mat. Like that was just inspiring. There is an age difference with us. Uh, I'm 17 and Laura <laughs> is uh, a little I, older. I graduated with Daria. She the the movie um, Is It College Yet came out in 2002, which was the year I graduated high school. And so. when Daria came out, I was born. <laughs> Just, I'm right, truly, just kidding. <laughs> I'm not much younger. I'm not much. Um, <laughs> also, we had the Fuzzy Wuzzy Wee Bits. Yeah, we'd be remiss if we did not bring up the Fuzzy Wuzzy Wee Bits. Which was clearly a call out to maybe a combination of Beanie Babies and Calico Critters. Yeah. I'm unfamiliar with Calico Critters, so please explain. 
Uh, I don't really know. I mean, it was pretty similar to what you saw there. They were like little creatures that had household items and like scenes and like role play. No, <laughs> I mean you could. I mean whatever you need to do once you have them. But yeah, but, but I, I worked at a toy store in high school. KB Toys. No, it was actually an independent <laughs> indie toy store called Whirly Gigs. <laughs> and and uh, in that Beanie Babies era, there were a lot of like weird adults that would come in looking for the, the newest ones. And so we would hold them in the back just for actual little children who wanted them. And we'd be like, nope, we're out of that one. Yeah, I mean, imagine being a McDonald's employee when they would have the Beanie Baby minis with were you in a Happy Meals supply. Well, excuse me? Did you work at McDonald's? No. no but oh. there's nothing wrong with that. No, I was just <laughs> I did. Like, we're sharing a memory. No, no, no. I said imagine being someone who worked at yeah, McDonald's crazy. around the time where, like, adults were crazy about getting these, like, ha free Happy Meal toys. I collected Beanie Babies, and it was a very sad day when my dad told me that our garage flooded and I lost them all. Because oh. that was a fortune. That could have been my college fund. <laughs> you know? <laughs> That reminds me of when uh, I got head lice and I wanted to see what it looked like. So I like rubbed my hair on the Barbie just to try to see like what does it look like from the outside perspective. And I was like, oh, I can't see it, and threw it into the basket with all the other stuffed animals. And, and told my mom like, yeah, I tried to see it, and she was like, what did you do with that Barbie? So yeah, I also lost a basket full of babies. <laughs> supposed to talk about shrinkage and I had uh, I think I talked about in the original mold episode that I had a really big shoplifting problem when I was in high school <laughs> and um, it was actually I don't know if you guys ever shoplifted before but Woo! got any shoplifters, <laughs> any shoplifters in the house um, how, so if you are a professional shoplifter um, as, like me, as me and my uh, boyfriend who are still together uh, just kidding clearly uh, as we, we were a shoplifting team and we wouldn't go to, so like we wouldn't go to a mall like the Mall of the Millennium because if you work in an enclosed mall they have LP, loss prevention, and uh, it's mall security and they can, they can grab your shit and it, it's, much, it's much easier to, you know, pick, up, pick off a little like a standalone store because then you just get in your car drive away. But if you're in a mall, you have to like walk Stark. through the mall. Yeah. <laughs> take me out, take me out. Um, but yeah, so so that was my experience with shrinkage. And also my, my coming out story is very tied to malls. Um, but anyways. Go ahead. No, 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 I just, I worked at a Hollister and had a huge crush on my manager. And then she got transferred to a Hollister at a different mall and I moved to that mall. <laughs> and then I realized, <laughs> I uprooted my life to work at Woodfield Mall. Did you share your feelings with her? No. Okay. Aww. She's married. <laughs> but I'm very happy. <laughs> There's my girlfriend. <laughs> we just moved in together. Um, so let's bring up our first guest. I mean... You guys. This is very exciting. This is very exciting for us. I just want to make sure this microphone is on. For, is. Oh, okay, good. Because I wouldn't want you to go through the trauma that I went through when I got up here. <laughs> so 
So we have Susie Lewis, who is the co-creator of Daria, who also worked as the co-producer on Beavis and Butthead before starting Daria. Exactly. Susie, please, Susie, please, please come, come up here. here. so much to so many people it is truly the voice of a generation and you know can't thank you enough oh that's so nice yeah <laughs> laura <laughs> <laughs> i know we like talked for a while before but now i'm like you're really here <laughs> um so so tell us about the the progression from beavis and butthead and daria like when the seed of the, the idea came out and when you became attached of co-creating it well, as you mentioned, I was working on Beavis and Butthead, and my job was to pick all the music videos in the show, which was an amazing job. And um, Daria was a character in that show, and um, there was talk around the office about spinning her off into a series and stuff, and it was just, it was such a chill kind of company. <laughs> I can't even explain how this all just kind of fell into place, because it was really, one of those moments that you look back and you're just like, wow, all the stars were really aligned for that. Um, I was really interested. I was like, you know, 15 at the time. <laughs> we're all just really young and I was very eager and I kind of fell into the animation department because I knew about music videos. So that's how I came to work on this and Butthead. And that, of course, that show was so huge, it made a whole animation um, department. So all the executives thought, we need to do more animation. And Daria was a female, and they thought maybe we need to do something that's the polar opposite of Beavis and Butthead. And I was like, hi, Selena. <laughs> that sounds really good. And another writer on the show, Glenn Eichler, he and I like got together and we had um, a a uh, script for a pilot that was written. Was it Sealed with a Kick? Yes, it was. Uh, <laughs> if you haven't watched it, it's available on YouTube. We also put it on our Patreon for people to watch. And yeah, it's like a five-minute pilot presentation. So yeah. yeah, yeah. And we focus grouped it, which is funny because the yeah. focus group in there, um, with about six or seven other animated shows like Eon Flux and The Head mm. and The Max and shows like that. And people love Daria. And my theory is because we didn't treat her as a cartoon. We thought she was a real person. And everybody in that show was a real person to us. I never like set out to do animation. I don't know how I fell into it except for the video fact. But um, it really, it's really kind of amazing because I always thought that I would work in sitcoms. So when Daria came along, it was a great way to kind of work on a sitcom, even though it was animated. So we treated it like a very real story. Yeah, it feels like that, absolutely. And I don't know if that answers the question. No, it does, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, and how did, how much, because I know that the character of Daria changed a little bit. I mean, of course, she yeah. got to be more fleshed out in right. the show Daria, and, and she moves. Yeah. She, the character moves at the beginning of the you put her in a new world. Yes. Um, but what were some of the decisions around um, 
like changing the character for her to carry her own show? Um, we were really about doing the opposite of Beavis. So Beavis started with like this really thin, like shaky line style. So we thought Daria needs to have like a bold black style and she needs to look completely different than them. So that we had, um, we had about 50 uh, artists in our studio at the time and we had kind of like not an audition or a contest, but maybe it was a contest. <laughs> they didn't know it was a contest. They didn't know it was a contest. <laughs> they, didn't really, they just drew what they thought their vision was, would be of maybe the show. And one of the artists, her name was Karen Disher, she was the supervising director on almost all of the shows. She came up with this particular style, and we liked that the best. And it was based on no education of animation. It was just like, that looks cool. So let's do that. So we did that. And um, as far as moving her to an own, her own town, we knew we couldn't have like the boys in the show. So we wanted to have her with her own cast of characters and stuff. And that's really where a lot of the creating came into play, which was amazing because it's like, okay, we need to give her a family. We need to give her some friends. And it was just kind of an easy start to have her start at a new school and introduce her. And the family dynamic is something that isn't seen very often where you kind of flip the gender roles with the Helen, the mother, who is a workaholic, but very like stoic and rational. And you have the father who's more like the emotional wreck. And so what was the, what was the inspiration behind kind of making that the specific family dynamic? Well, again, it was all about doing the opposite of what was on TV at the time. And I was raised by a very strong mom. She wore the pants in my family. My dad wasn't an emotional wreck. He was more of the strong, silent type. But she, like, ruled the roost. She was, like, the one giving the orders, managing the schedule. She was working. So to have Helen be that kind of strong figure was a real natural fit. And I think Glenn really, um, played up the Jake part yeah. <laughs> with being an emotional wreck. Because he was a family man, and he was a little bit older. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, the family is, is one of, it's certainly one of my favorite parts of the show, and it's so, so very fun to watch. Um, so I was curious, of, aside from Helen mirroring your mother, what parts of yourself do you think that you've inserted into some of the characters that we've seen? Um, well, there's definitely a lot of Jane I feel like I have the most in common with her. That's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> and that whole world of music with Trent and the whole goth world and stuff, that was my world at the time. So. Well, some of you might not know that uh, Susie actually voiced a character on the show. It was Andrea, the goth chick. Yes, she had one word lines. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought I could handle that. Cafe Disaffecto, she gave a whole, didn't she do like a whole poem or monologue? And she, she I don't remember. Do you remember? She did. <laughs> I it out. We'll watch it later, Sus. <laughs> we'll watch it later. But um, she was a great character. She was a great character also because she seems like she would be someone that would also be friends with Daria if the politics of high school were a little different too. Yes, I think they liked her too. Mm -hmm. Is there any character you feel like you'd get rid of 
in hindsight, or anyone that you never really were fond of? I was never fond of Upchuck. I mean, Thank you. Who is? I yeah. could not stand that smarmy, cocky guy. <laughs> was just, he just there for like comedic relief? Like, what was I think so. Yeah. I mean, even the actor, Jeffrey Aaron, who did him, he was so good. So we knew we had to keep him for something. And whenever he was in the booth doing those lines, I just, I was grossed out all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's the, the little bit of Beavis that like carried over. Yeah, oh, totally. Probably. Yeah. But it was funny. I mean, just watching him in this, it was nice to see everyone laughing. <laughs> did you, is Jane your favorite character? Or did you have a different favorite character? I, I like Jane, and I also like Trent a lot. Yeah, Trent's good. So... <laughs> <laughs> It's like that. It's like that. We made this choice to have you in the middle. Uh, I know. <laughs> so, Shadi Potosky, who is the um, showrunner of Danger and Eggs, which is a show I recently worked on, tweeted that you are one of three, one of only three women to have a creator slash co-creator credit on an adult animated show. Um, why do you think that is? What do you think that just animation for women? I don't know if it's animation specifically or just like television and movie and the industry specifically. I mean, everybody's been talking about how far women have come, but I really think there's so much more work to do. And I, you know, every time a woman like, a woman directed it, it's like, oh wow, look what she did. Like, she's right, so it's so woman. rare that it's a big yeah. deal to point yeah. out. Yeah, it shouldn't be that big a deal, and it shouldn't be that, like, out there that a woman is doing something. But that was really cool she tweeted that. Yeah, <laughs> she did. Uh, one question that's kind of just for Laura and I. Um, was there ever like an intentional flirtation between Jane and Daria? No. Uh, no? We were reaching it's like a Zena situation where it wasn't at all intended, but not really. Really no. is real. <laughs> but it's okay if you want to think that. <laughs> One last question about the episode here. What do you remember specifically about um, this episode, Mauled? Um, I kind of feel like it was, even though Quinn had such a small part of it, I felt like it was a defining moment in her character that she's not stupid. And even though she's like so into fashion and everything, it was nice to see that she and Daria actually bonded in the end there about they didn't want to she kept her. She also kept her word. Yeah. Which yeah. Is huge. Yeah, we have a segment on some of the earlier Secrets Outer World episodes. We have a Quint and the Feminist segment where we have someone do feminist interpretations of Quint's actions. Yeah. She, yeah, she really is incredibly strategic yeah. and smart and yeah. like knows how to hustle and get what she wants. Totally. Okay, I do have one last question. What, what, what is your favorite episode? I have two favorite episodes. Okay. Um, the Misery Chick, which yeah. was the 13th episode in season one, and the musical. Yeah, we haven't gotten first. to the musical yet. I mean, we've seen it before, yeah. but in our show we haven't. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> well, it's been a delight. A dream, even. <laughs> Thank you, Susie. Um, please treat yourself to another drink. Great. Yeah. Good job. Thanks, you too. You did you acted really natural. Thank you.
So, field trips. Field trips. Uh, you have a pretty good field trip story. So, obviously, Daria threw up on the field trip. That's traumatizing. Please tell us your traumatizing field trip story. So, um, I, in eighth grade, we went on a whale watch, and I get very motion sick, and we um, were out in the middle of the ocean on a double-decker boat, and I was on the top deck, and uh, they stop the boat when they get near a whale. So when they stop it, that's when the problems start because then you're just there in, in the wake or in the waves. Of so the whale? Like, no, of the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just a gentle back and forth and I felt it coming. And, and right when the whale crested above the water and everyone was in awe, like very like total solar eclipse level awe, it was just like, <laughs> like just throwing up over the side, unfortunately, onto people below. And I tried to avoid, like it was, it was a spatial thing, like I thought it was going to go into the ocean. Um, and then I was a virgin until I was 21, so I'm not sure, like, I was <laughs> but like, it was formative. But yeah, the puking on a school trip is, it's hard to live that down. Yeah, because then that's just what people remember about you. Yeah, and then you, you don't get over it, and then you're in your 30s, and you, you te keep talking about it <laughs> on a podcast for the internet. Yeah. yeah. Well, how about you? What's, what's going on with your uh, public humiliation? Um, well, I got my first period at Six Flags Great America. <laughs> I mean, it, so it wasn't my first period, because I was at basketball practice, but this was like my first like real period. You know what I mean? It was like the one where... I had to buy a oversized and very overpriced Superman sweatshirt just to tie it around my waist so that nobody could see. Why didn't you just buy a pad? They didn't have them. <laughs> <laughs> they do not sell pads at Six Flags Great America. It's a fucking patriarchy right there. They also, do not, they also do not sell pads or tampons at the St. Louis Arch, which I found out. Fun fact. <laughs> But it was a horrifying trip, um, and I had no fun on any of the rides, and I couldn't sit on any of the seats that were, like, colored, because we get it. <laughs> I rode um, literal roller coasters and an emotional one, so. So our next guest. <laughs> so I'd love to bring up our next guest. Uh, I know him as the guy who runs all the Dario pop-ups around the Los Angeles area, but he's also a very talented writer and experimental filmmaker. Uh, please give a warm round of applause for Navid Sanaki. You are a liar. I'm none of those things. I'm not. I'm not. You're not what? I'm just messing, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not an experimental I'm filmmaker. I'm not an experimental filmmaker. I don't do that. No, I do. I do all those things. I'm. Oh, this. Oh, I get it. This was experimental theater. You were just trying. It was. I get it. Yeah. Very smart. Yeah, that's me. So, these events. I've been to two events. I went to the Echo Park Film Center where you showed some uh, some Daria episodes with a select crowd. Yeah. Uh, and you also threw a Daria pop-up called Cafe Disaffecto. Yes, indeed. A couple, yes, 
the episode before. And it was it was so much fun. And you showed episodes with the original music and with commercials that you spliced in there. So when did you start doing commercials from the time that they originally aired? Correct. So my question to you: When did you start these, and what inspired you? What inspired me? Hmm. So I studied film in college, and. I don't know, when, I, when I, um, I'm a SoCal kid, and when I moved back to SoCal, I went to Berkeley up north, and um, a part of it, heard of it. Yeah, yeah, But when I returned, I just wanted to host screenings of my own, and it began as these experimental film screenings at the Echo Park Film Center with, like, Kenneth Anchor paired with, like, a Nicholas Ray film. But nothing brought me more joy than pop culture, you know? And, I mean, I have uh, my collection of Daria episodes that I recorded from TV from the time on VHS. I was actually trying to record uh, episodes of Undressed because I was a <laughs> perverted little homo. But, um, yeah, and then somehow Daria snuck in and, um, you know, that came up. And I think it was literally, it was like a year, maybe a year and a week ago, Facebook reminds you these things, it's terrifying. <laughs> But they, uh, it reminded me that my very first Daria screening was uh, an episode of Daria paired with Ghost World, which is one of my favorite films. Um, both of them searing uh, portraits of suburban life. Uh, and yeah, I don't know, like the, the fandom was strong with Daria, as you two well know, as you two, um, you know, help, help nurture as well. And at some point, aside from just doing screenings of Daria, like at the Echo Park Film Center, great place, you guys should all check it out. I wanted to do a cafe disaffecto. I was like, let's do a cafe, uh, let's... And then, okay, so here's here's the real dirt. So, Susie Lewis, amazing, uh, who I've, I've had the privilege of meeting before, has let me use uh, the beta tapes with the original episodes, with the original audio, the music in it. I don't know if a lot of you know, but like the music you heard in this episode, it's like filler music. Uh, when it first aired on MTV, there was contemporary music in it. Like in this one, there was a Blur song, there was a, a Silver Chair song. There was a rendition in the salon of That's the Way I Like It, but like a disco-y, uh, like 90s electro-trash version. It's my favorite song. Uh, but yeah, so with those episodes, uh, when it cuts to commercial, there's like a minute of black. And so at one point, I got an episode of Daria with the original audio at like the last minute and I was screening it at the Echo Park Film Center and I realized crap there's a minute of black and there's nothing to fill it and it's really awkward it's quiet and you know so when I did my cafe disaffecto I decided you know why not throw in the commercials that I know and love and that I watch on my own time anyway you know <laughs> screen got milk commercials uh, vintage windows commercials AOL 2.0 yeah, yeah. It's like, whoa, they were they had commercials for windows? Yeah, that's actually actual windows. <laughs> <laughs> the 90s is crazy. <laughs> so obviously you're very connected to the Daria fandom or, or the people who are drawn to these sort of events. And what would you say are commonalities hmm. among the people that show up? I've heard that they're very nice from Brittany. Very, like, nice, cool people. Who they are, are very nice. I mean, I honestly, like... The, the whole, the 
gateway opening with the Daria fandom was amazing. I didn't realize. Like, I knew for a while, you know, it was difficult to come across Daria. It was until, like, Hulu put it online, it was really difficult to find. I know in college, I was like, oh, I wonder, um, you know, if I can find Daria online. And then I came across, like, this really crappy version of it that was online that I had to download, and everything was, like, flipped backwards, like, Da Vinci Code style. And <laughs> I had to try to... Like, Daria's hair is imparted that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, so I, what was the question? Oh, what brings them all together? So I know with me what really drew me to Daria at a particular period in my life. I've been reintroduced to it multiple times as a child, you know, skeezy, um, perverted homo kid <laughs> in college and then um, once again as an adult. But there's something about the bruising humor that really like hits home for me because as a POC or like a little queer kid, there's something like the shows of the time period were like full house and whatnot, and there was a certain optimism that was happening. And shows that tried to cater to youngins with their delusions of candor, but Daria kind of touched something, like it kind of broke the fourth wall repeatedly. And in it, I saw a lot of my life, like stuff that was terrifying and mortifying and horrifying. Be it a uh, fragile family family member or a school that's every bit as surreal and and um, jagged as the actual world, and so I believe that the Daria fandom kind of takes ownership of being held captive in a time period or a place that's a little bit uh, terrifying, and all you can do is like look around and see if anyone else is paying attention to your the your inner monologue that's um that's perpetual. That sounded like a thesis paper. I love that. <laughs> my mic died. I've no, just been. My mic yeah. died. No, 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 it's okay. You can, you can finish this interview. Conversation. Uh, what Brittany said is that sounded like a thesis paper. And that's a compliment. <laughs> I hope Daria Stallo is slowly zooming in on my face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you could get the DP, just. Uh, um, so when is the next pop-up that you're doing? Hopefully soon. I mean, I've done it at the Echo Park Film Center. It's uh, great, you should check it out, my refrain. Uh, and at Coffee Hall in Chinatown. But honestly, as you guys well know, like the fandom grows and I'm trying to find like a venue that is that can house the, the wandering souls that are in search of uh, more and where can people find you and find out more about? Oh, that? Um, I mean, I'll where do you live? <laughs> so I live at eight four zero South Hope. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> that's actually where I live. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. You can follow me online. I don't know. I, I don't. I feel weird. I'm not like. I'm the Vietnamese. I'm the I don't know. Sorry, like. Arguably the best character in Daria Jody. 
Yeah. And um, also, it's interesting, we see with the market research moment, we see the adults coming in and wanting to bribe the kids, and Jody and Jane resisting up to a point until, you know, it's $20 for everyone. That's like, you gotta be reasonable. And I feel like it's interesting because Daria has this veneer of cynicism, but she actually is sort of the most, like, purist in terms of her set of like moral her personal moral code um whereas like someone like jody is more um, outwardly optimistic, yeah, outwardly yeah, very optimistic. Um, but i think might be more cynical actually yeah just a realist of like well this is just kind of how it is yeah gotta grab it when i have the moment yeah so in that particular moment i mean big brother <laughs> what, big brother's that? always watching yeah I, I mean, yeah, we are all constantly in a focus group now. I, I actually wrote that down. We're always in one big focus group. I may have seen that. I may have just plagiarized you. Oh. <laughs> I don't know for sure. It could have been like subconscious. We're fine. We work well together. Um, no, but really, like just you all attending this event, you're going to see ads for like very obscure 90s. Things. I believe that. I believe yes, that. Yes, it is a fact. Yeah, so, like, I don't, I don't know if there was the, like, the two-way mirror in here, but it's ever-present. Well, speaking of Big Brother, I'd like to bring up our next guest, who I think watches Big Brother. Unsure. So, would you like to introduce our next guest? Sir Ira Madison III is a culture writer for the Daily Beast. He also writes for GQ, and he formerly wrote for MTV News, and he delivers the hottest of takes on Twitter. At Ira, come on out. Yes. <laughs> I was trying to like, say goodbye. <laughs> he also snagged the Twitter handle of just Ira. At Ira. At Ira. That's who did that. Oh. I'm not familiar with that. <laughs> <laughs> it did one good thing. <laughs> so please tell us, what is your earliest Daria memory? How old were you? Did you like it immediately? Uh, I did like it immediately. Uh, I think it was actually after Undressed, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, like, recording Undressed secretly um, used to give me like a lot of MTV pop culture back then. That's how I discovered Britney. Um, her first music video debuted after Undressed, and so did an episode of Daria. So, and maybe, I think maybe. it was, yeah. Right. Um, and I think my first episode was, um, oh, it was Fair Enough. Nice. Yeah. We just did that as our last episode. Yeah. We just did that. I I was I uh, participated in madrigal dinners as a. As a high school student, so it was very close to my heart. Um, so, Laura? <laughs> so, do you feel like there's anything? Wait, is this, this is the one that doesn't work, so I'm going to hand this to you, and I'm okay. done with my question. Oh, it is? Yeah. Okay, cool, cool, um, is, is there anything that you feel is comparable now to what Daria was bringing, or what do you feel is. Like, what, is there anything now that's like doing for you what it did then? Um, you know, there are a lot of TV shows now that sort of like are in the essence, like the aesthetic of Daria. You know, you can see something like You're the Worst on TV. Um, or, um, you know, even comedies like 
happy endings and things, like started getting more of a great show. They started getting more of a darker edge to them, um, as opposed to the way that you know like sitcoms used to be back then. Mm -hmm. um, so now you get more of that sort of Daria attitude in TV shows, and I think a lot of people grew up with it, and so that's why we see more of that. Like, I mean, that's so '90s. I feel like the '90s just sort of MTV aesthetic was that. Um, that's why so much pop culture um, replicates that now. No, I, I completely agree. Um, were there themes specifically in Daria that you saw and were like, holy shit, I relate to this so much, or that I haven't seen this before? Was there anything that you can pull out as, well, I mean, a, as a culture like, expert? Okay, I love, I love Jody. Uh, you know, I just, I've, I always wanted a Jody spinoff. I would in entirely watch Jody uh, spinoff. I mean, I remember the one episode where, um, Daria was like complaining about her life, and Jody was like, "I mean, I get it, but like, I'm black and I go to this school with all these white people." Yeah, you know. Um, and I always wanted to see her interacting with more people than she did. And she always has great moments on the show. Like even in this episode, you know, there's um, the MLK joke. Yeah, the MLK joke, and then principal to like, you know. Daria's like, I have my principles and I don't want anything from this mall. And Joey's like, I mean, I'll give this $20. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, sticking to the theme of the episode, uh, if you, back in high school, what store would we see you at in the mall? <laughs> I'd probably be at the, well, I'd be at the bookstore. Walton Books or B. Dalton? No, we had Barnes and Noble. Oh. Yeah, I'm from Milwaukee, so <laughs> yeah. we had uh, we still have Barnes and Noble. Yeah, they they're um, there. <laughs> I worked there briefly. Um, or you would see me at the movie theater. Mm. There's a movie theater in our mall, so mm -hmm. I went there every weekend, and I would just watch like three movies in a day. I saw Bring It On. Eight. I saw Bring It On eight times. In the theater eight times? Yes. Oh, that's amazing. That's how awesome yeah. I hung out in the movie theater. And that's a good one to see eight times. You pick something new up every time. <laughs> Lots of subtlety. Yes. So I understand from Brittany that you are a Brittany and Kevin fan, and the other Brittany and Kevin fan, or I, that dynamic. I love Can you Brittany talk about that? I think that Brittany is the show's second best scammer. <laughs> I, I know who your first book please yeah, explain. I, well, because I like she always gets what she wants. You know, she's great at manipulating Kevin. He's great at manipulating their teachers, and she's also the only person who, would, besides Jody, who would ever like really call out Daria. And sometimes she would say it in like a sort of like dumb blonde sort of way, but she would always sort of be real with Daria in a way that you would look at it now and be like, oh, you're so true. Like, um, the first episode where she's invited to the party at Brittany's house, and Brittany's like, you know, you're not really popular, but I'm inviting you anyway, because um, you helped me. Yeah. Like, that's like, she just keeps it real. With people, and I enjoy <laughs> Brittany, and she sort of did that in the way that Daria did it with other people. 
Yeah, I, I think that there's kind of like no filter, no social filter with her almost. So she doesn't even um, she, with social mores or social norms, she doesn't even like adhere to them because she, there's no filter between her mind and just what she says. She is just kind of real in that way. And I think it's sort of like interesting that she's not really friends with the fashion club uh, girl. I always either. found that pretty interesting. Um, they're in a battle. Oh, well, her and I mean, Quinn are certainly age, in a battle. But, um, yeah, I just don't think Brittany really fits in with them because you would think that she's sort of the dumb one that could sort of, you know, hang around in the back of the group, but I also think that she just had too many opinions for them to keep her around. I always pictured, like, the very end would kind of be like a Kaiser Sose thing where she all of a sudden was just, like, insanely brilliant. She probably, like, runs a company right yeah. now. <laughs> what do you think she saw in Kevin? Like, he was a pawn for her, right? Like, what's, what's the... I mean, she was popular, and he was the most popular guy in school, so... Mm -hmm. I mean, she had to have it. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, and you know, I think, my favorite scammer. My yeah. favorite scammer, Daria, is Principal Lee. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm shocked that she wasn't a part of the. She's probably like behind the scenes of the focus group. In, probably. But but we didn't know it. But like I think as super fans were like, oh no, she planned that. Her greatest moment is was the season five premiere with the soda machines. In I, I remind me, we're still in season she two. Gets, she gets like soda machines put into the school. And like basically just like sells advertising and, <laughs> Mondial, and it's amazing. I love her. She she's definitely an embodiment where it shows you that like capitalism is alive and well just in high schools. That market days that was fucked up. Did you get have market days at school? Like where you have to like Chicago thing? No, 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 not the gay festival in Chicago. No, like. I was in middle school and high school, and every week we would get like this catalog of frozen food that we would try and sell to our parents. No, that's crazy. Okay, well. <laughs> Did you go to Lawndale? <laughs> <laughs> no, I went to school uh, outside of Chicago, and it was like a thing that was like very prevalent, and it clearly just went. And we had to sell like wrapping paper and all this shit. Every week. Like every week was market days. Like Tuesdays was market days. That's was the market wild. day? So who was getting kickbacks? I don't know. <laughs> Principal Lee. <laughs> so uh, anyone who follows. I think. It's, I think it's, <laughs> <laughs> you said something on it too. I was like, that's not a thing, Brittany. And she's like, that's just because you went to private school. So yeah. No. Someone has that money. <laughs> yeah. There. No. There's someone who is sitting on market days money. <laughs> So keep it. We're oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You can explain so, it. Like. So fans of yours on Twitter know that you use keep it as as the fave insult. So what character would you keep, or tell tell them to keep it? Tom. Yeah. Oh, I don't like spoiler him. alert. Yeah, spoiler, spoiler alert. Um, Daria's lover Tom. Jane's lover first. Oh my, I forgot. Oh, major that. spoiler. Major spoiler. <laughs> Also, say what you want about Quinn, but she would have never taken her best friend's man. 
Oh no, I love you're talking to the wrong person because yeah. I love Quinn. So yeah. She's like Or you're talking to the right person. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I I never really liked Tom um or his relationship with Daria. Yeah, his, I agree. With his ugly sweaters. <laughs> <laughs> So I think there's no better way to round this out than despite what Susie said about there not being queer attention, let's talk about scissor wizard. Shall we? My interpretation was that was a date. because we actually found a lot of fan fiction. We, sure <laughs> we also found an erotic fan fiction that rewrites the entire episode of Mauled with Where? a sexy perspective that includes a threesome between Daria, Daria Mac, and Jody. <laughs> so, I mean, we'll, we'll post that. We'll post that on our Patreon for We can't take credit you. for writing it. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 we didn't write it. It sure wasn't us. But I think that, but it was, but it was certainly created by someone who loved Upchuck because they like kind of made him the hero. Yeah, it was, there were elements that were not ideal. <laughs> I didn't read the whole thing, I just like skimmed. No, I skimmed too. It was a weird one to skim, that's for sure. <laughs> well, the time has come. Yeah, thank you guys so much. This was really fun. This was yeah. delightful. And we're going to be over there having some drinks. Please talk to us. <laughs> Thanks so much, you guys.